Welcome back to a special tournament edition of This Week in Wisconsin Prep Hockey. Today we'll be talking about the state championship semifinal games and the upcoming championship games tomorrow. Uh, with me today are Bill Berg Jr. Oh, first of all, I am Bill Berg. Uh, with me is Bill Berg Jr., Del Scanlon. We're hoping that MJ Hammond will be able to join us tonight. Uh, he was working the uh, Janesville Jets game, and he thought he'd be getting home about this time. And if he does, he will uh, join in with us. Otherwise, uh, we will proceed on without him. But uh, first order business is uh, the first games we saw on Thursday morning, which was Division Two semifinal games uh, that was Rice Lake and Lakeland, and then St. Mary Springs and Baldwin-Woodville. So we'll start out with the Rice Lake versus Lakeland game. Uh, good game, I thought, very... I, I I shouldn't say this, but I was pleasantly surprised at how uh, aggressive Lakeland was and how uh, how closely Lakeland played with what I thought was a, a superior Rice Lake team. I mean, Lakeland stuck Lakeland stuck right with them the whole game. Yeah, Lakeland was on the board first. Um... They were not outshot by more than two in any period. Uh, one in the first period, two in the second. They actually outshot Rice Lake in the third period. Um, the, the big problem for Lakeland is that they didn't get a lot of second shots. Um, most of their scoring chances were one and done as uh, the Rice Lake uh, goalie, uh, Ian Kranz, either covered the puck or redirected it into the corner or the, the Rice Lake defense was able to clear it out. So they didn't get a lot of second chances, which at the state tournament are how many goals are typically scored because generally you're facing goaltenders that are going to stop that first shot more often than not. But yeah, that was a great game. Um, they hung with them the whole time. I think uh, Lakeland would, if you told them that shots were going to be, you know, 25 to 24 and they would have five power plays, they probably would have felt pretty good about the game, but they went 0 for 5 on the power play. Uh, good penalty killing for Rice Lake. Yeah, and uh, Lakeland goaltender Max Misaizva, um, he played well. Um, it, again, it, it, was, it was a very close game. Just a couple of breaks um, went Rice Lake's way. I mean, it was... Uh, a very even game back and forth up and down the ice. I mean, it was very energetic in the building. Both teams brought uh, a good fan base. Um, the, the, the atmosphere in the building, I mean, it, it, as cavernous as the Alliant Energy Center can be, um, each team was well represented and the each side made a lot of noise. Um, it was just, it was an exciting hockey game. And it, it was a great way uh, to kick off the, the tournament. Uh, moving on from that, the second game was St. Mary Springs versus Baldwin Woodville. And again, um, you know, good crowd in the building. Uh, Baldwin Woodville brought a lot of people down. They made a lot of noise. Um, they came up on the short end of the stick. Uh, St. Mary Springs 
some very talented players on their side. Uh, one that was missing that we, we found out all today. But uh, go ahead and tell us about that one. Yeah, Talon Blank, uh, sophomore, first line forward for uh, Springs, who we saw at the Badgerland Conference Tournament absolutely dominate against uh, Nina Horton-Belmanasha. is out with an injury. Um, and they learned of that injury uh, at practice on Wednesday and then in full on Thursday morning. Um, so like, and I was talking to coach John Welsh and I said, you know, I didn't see him out on the ice. I'm looking for 29. Then I looked down your bench, like through my camera lens so I can zoom in. I'm looking for 29 and I don't see him. And John Welsh is like, yeah, I'm wondering where he is too. Because uh, I, I think he was missing him there. Um, it was a good game for Springs. I mean, we just watched this team put up 10 on Oregon, I believe, uh, where Dane Dianovich had five goals, I think, in that sectional final game. Um, five goals and two assists. Yeah, five goals and two assists, whereas against Baldwin-Woodville, 31 shots, uh, four goals. Um, midway, actually more than midway through the second period, this was a two-to-one hockey game. Um, it took Baldwin a while. It took him until 3-10 of the second period to get their first goal, but uh, they got that goal. It's a two-to-one hockey game, and then um, two-thirds of the way into the second period, Springs got two goals in 52 seconds, and that kind of closed the book on it, making it four-to-one. Neither team scored in the third, and Springs really clamped down defensively in the third, uh, whereas Baldwin-Woodville had eight shots in the first, 11 in the second. They only had two shots in the third period as Springs just uh, played the prevent defense and, and locked down their defensive zone. Well, and, I mean, Springs played well defensively all game. The, the only goal they gave up was actually um, something we had talked about in the podcast uh, before the state tournament, two things, two things we covered, uh, avoid the, the, the major penalty and watch out for fluky bounces off the boards. And the fluky bounce off the boards was the only goal Springs gave up. It was a puck that was dumped in and everybody thought it was going to go around the boards behind the net, but it actually jumped out in front of the net and Baldwin Woodville was right there. Uh, to to cash in and score their one goal uh, as the the, the, the goaltender uh, for Springs was, you know, on the far side waiting for the puck to come around that never did. Um, so, yeah, freaky, freaky bounces off the board. They exist at the Atlanta Energy Center. We saw it uh, in that first game. Right and, the second and, game. and Springs, um, just like Rice Lake, Springs took five penalties in that game, but they held Baldwin-Woodville to, to no goals on the power play, 0 for 5. Setting up the, uh, the the Division Two Championship game of humans versus robots, <laughs> as uh, St. Mary Springs has been number one in the <clears throat> the top six rankings voted on by humans for most of the season, and Rice Lake has been number one in the computerized power rankings for the, the latter half of the season. Um, so it's a it's a battle of humans versus robots uh, for supremacy here in Division Two. And I think that if you look at what our uh, staff picked on this one, uh, you two both picked Rice Lake to win this this one tomorrow, while MJ and I picked St. Mary Springs. I think overall, I think St. Mary Springs has a better first line, even with Talon Blank out. Uh, I think Dianovich and Josh Austin are just awesome. Um, 
but I think Rice Lake has a better second line. And this should be probably one of the better Division II games Springs has played all season. Um, I expect this to be a close game. We've seen that teams like Baldwin Woodwell holding Springs to, to four, I think, probably surprised a lot of people around the state after the performance Springs put up in the in the sectional round. Um, I mean, you can you can't stop their first line, but you can certainly slow them down. And I think Rice Lakes has got the manpower to do that. And yeah, and and Baldwin Woodville, um, their, their their goaltender was uh, outstanding in that game. I mean, he had, I mean, it, the, the the net result is going to show that he gave up, you know, four goals on 31, 31 shots, but some of those shots and some of those rebounds, he 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 uh, Dominic Hype, he he played a. An excellent game is just um, they were just all over him. The shots were, were fairly close, but the, the quality of the shots uh, were definitely in, in the favor of uh, of St. Mary Springs. And you know, I, I we, we when we did our initial predictions, I I, I favored Rice Lake because they had uh, two lines. You know, whatever you want to call their first line and their second line, um, they set them up so that you know each line has scoring potential and, you know, with, um, St. with St. Mary Springs, you know, w- without talent blank. Um, I mean, th- their, their first line is still, you know, good, not, not, not quite as dynamic as it was, but then, you know, th- they move up with somebody from the second line to the first line um, who, who scored two goals, Jonathan Corb, Jonathan Corb, you know, scored two goals. He's more of a grinder. He's not the dynamic, flashy player that Talon Blank is. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it makes their, their first line a little less dynamic, but it also, you know, weakens their, their, their second line. And like I said, you know, Rice Lake has got, you know, is it a first line or a second line, or is it line 1A and 1B? Um, each, of their, each of their first two lines can score goals. So I, I think this just uh, kind of, puts another, another notch on the, the, the side of Rice Lake. Yeah, I mean, Jonathan Korb, who slid into that first line spot um, vacated by Talon Blank, had three goals on the regular season. Um, and then being on that first line, um, he got two pretty gritty goals. Um, one was a deflection. The other one was a battle in front, uh, you know, with Janovic and Austin. He got two goals. He's got two-thirds of his season total in the state semifinal. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it weakens their lower lines. So, and like, I didn't realize just looking at their stats on the season, we haven't been over to Rice Lake. It's not near us um, that, that Adam Tim and um, Cole Fenske weren't on the same line. I mean, just because you hear their names like all season long, they're, they're two leading scorers. They're not on the same line um, or, you know, line, they're line one and line a, um, and so I, it should be a great game tomorrow. Um, I picked Rice Lake, and I'm standing by that. But uh, we'll, we'll point out that Springs is 2-0 and in Division II championship games so far. So history is on their side. And we, we, and we, we, we can never – you can never count them out. They're a very well-coached team. They're very disciplined. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, they, they know what they're up against, and I'm sure they're going to have a game plan against it. Um, but, yeah, it, it just their, their game plan just became that much harder uh, without talent blank. Let's move on to the girls. Then we move on to the girls, which was the evening session. And that started up with, oh, yeah, Hilltoppers of Onalaska and the Fox City Stars. Fox City Stars came in as the number one seed and the Onalaska Hilltoppers as the number four seed. And Dell, tell us what happened with uh, number four meets number one. The Brett you know, was really close. Uh, shot for seven to five in favor of the Stars. Um, but it was the second period where Onalaska was able to come up with two goals. Uh, to one for the Stars, but the Stars outshot them 13 to eight in that period. Uh, the two, two goals late in the period, uh, Fox City Stars scored a shorthanded goal, and 11 seconds later, Onalaska uh, regained the lead on the power play uh, to lead two to one at the end of two periods. And then late in the third, Onalaska scored an empty netter to. Uh, uh, win the game three to one. Uh, but, you know, this on Alaska team's on a streak. I think it's what, 18 wins in a row? So, I mean, we knew this was going to be a tight game and close. And, you know, MJ picked on Alaska to leave the arena tomorrow with the title. And so, He's got a chance at sitting there yet. But, you know, it, it was a good game. And that Anna Zemanski uh, had two goals and picked up a five-minute major. Yes, she did. Um, and that was probably the, one of the more surprising things. Like, like we said in the last one, um, Alaska took more penalties than Fox Cities did, just like Rice Lake and... St. Mary's Springs. So apparently the key to winning at the state tournament is to take the most penalties. Um, Fox cities was over three on the power play. And one of those power plays was a five minute major. Um, I really thought Fox cities played well. Um, as, as burglars said many times, they did everything except put the puck in the net. Um, they can, they had the puck the majority of the time on Alaska was kind of in a, a bend don't break mode uh, for the most part. They kept Rentmeester and Zelish outside. Uh, the one time those two were able to get at them, it was a shorthanded goal when Onalaska probably let their guard down a little. Um, it was on the tail end of a, a five on three. Um, and she scored like four seconds into the five on four portion of that um, power play did, did uh, Rentmeester ball shorthanded. Um, so Onalaska probably had their guard let down a little on those two because they were you know, with the man advantage, but yeah, they did a, a great job of, of not letting them get uh, inside um, and really shut them down, which is what we said that a team had to do to beat Fox cities. They only had really scoring from two people uh, for a good, good portion of the year. And to beat them, you had to shut those two people down and they did it. Um, yeah. And, and we, we found out in an interview afterwards, that, I mean, on Alaska, I mean, their, their focus was to shut down those two players. They concentrated all their, you know, they put all of their best players out on the ice to face 
you know, Rentmeester and Zillich and shut them down. And they sold out, you know, block shots, do whatever you have to do to stop those two. And when they're not on the ice, we're going to try to score. Um, and that, that's what they did. It was, it was their game plan and it worked for them and they're moving on. Um, Junior, wasn't this a game that you've said there are quite a few block shots that, you know, kept them from getting to, all the way to the goalie or is that the second game? No, there was a on lot the of block shots in this game. Uh, on Alaska's probably got bruised legs. And uh, on Alaska was out sh shot in this game, 31 to 19. And I think this is where we say, you know, you make it to this point in the season, you hear people say you got a freshman goaltender or whatever. But, you know, we've all said before, you know, you've made it this far through the season, you know, the what grade you're in kind of goes out the window a little bit because you've already, you know, come built up the confidence of your team and everything else throughout the season with you in net. And uh, Diana Hansen has done a great job of that this season for the Hilltoppers. Well, and we, we I mean, we actually talked uh, to Chris McGurk, assistant coach for Fox City today. We talked to him after our award ceremony, and he, he was reminded because he, he had he had told uh, Dwayne Wozniak, the, 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 the coach of the Warbirds, that you know he'd never seen a team uh, sold out so much to block shots in that game, and and uh, reminded him of you know two years ago when when uh, uh, for, uh, for 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 Fox Cities was was a freshman and a brand new goaltender and Fox cities basically sold out to block shots. Um, so yeah, um, that was their game plan going in. It worked for them. Um, on Alaska advances to, uh, face the, the, the central Wisconsin storm who faced stuff in the second game on, uh, Thursday night against, Madison Metrolinx. That was them. Yes, I was there. No, I wasn't there. I wasn't there. I was over at the the Wisconsin Hockey Coaches Association Awards Banquet, so I really can't say anything about that game. Yeah, Kaya Bice uh, sniped a goal for the Lynx in the first period, ended one nothing in the first period, and then the Storm scored three goals in the second period. Um, Drew Sabatke, Logan Crawford, and uh, Gabby Duver each scored and then the strength, the, the storm added an empty netter in the third. Um, not surprising to me that the storm only allowed one goal uh, in regulation this season. They only had one game where they allowed more than two goals. That was a four to three loss to the Fox city stars. And then they had an overtime loss three to two to the Warbirds co-op uh, where they allowed a third goal. But those were the only two times this season where the storm have allowed more than two goals. Um, and only, like I said, only once in regulation. So keeping Metrolinx, which is a very deep, very strong team, to one goal and only 19 shots um, is a pretty impressive work of team defense on the part of Storm. The most surprising part for me is that they scored uh, three goals in one period, which I think if you look back on all of their games against top six type teams this season, I don't think they've scored three goals in one period yet. Um, so that was that was pretty new for them. And the the, the head scratcher for well for us anyway um, was at, you know at, at the beginning of the game when 
uh, we looked in who saw was in net uh, for each team. Um, the, 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 the goaltender who won our Jesse Vetter, Jesse Vetter award as you know, the top goaltender in Wisconsin, um, Chloe Lemke was not in goal for uh, central Wisconsin and a first team all state goaltender um, Abby Nutini. Abby Nutini for Metrolinx was not in goal for them. So um, puzzling or interesting decisions by the coaches there to go with uh, alternate goalies, backup goalies, whatever you want to call them. Not not the goalies we were expecting um, in the, the the semifinal game. But I don't think it affected the outcome of the game. Um, I think it probably would have ended up just about the same way had um, Nutini and Lemke been in net. I think one of the impressive things to me in that game with the storm is they actually cut the number of shots faced the last time the Lynx put against them. I think the Lynx put up 38 shots against them the last time they they played each other. And this they time they it, held them to 19 shots. Yeah, they cut it straight in half at that point. I mean... That the, that's, I mean, generally speaking, you see it in like conference tournaments. And then when it gets to the playoffs, teams that played each other once before play each other again, and the shot totals tend to shrink um, because they've seen them. They know what they're doing and the defenses just improve. Shot totals tend to shrink, but cutting a team from 38 down to 19 is a pretty strong effort uh, for the storm. The, you know, the thing was with the storm, they kept that pressure Whoever had that puck did not have any. Once they got into the offensive zone, there was a body on them all the time, it seemed to me. Yes. Um, and the pattern kept true in this one. The Storm took more penalties, yet they came away with the win. Uh, the Metro Lynx were 0 3 on the power play. Uh, Storm had a too many men on the ice and then two tripping calls, uh, which were only about 50 seconds apart. So they had five on three. And the Lynx didn't score five on three either. So that sets up the championship game tomorrow, uh, somewhere around noon. Um, Central Wisconsin Storm and Onalaska. Um, I say I hadn't seen Onalaska um, until uh, yesterday, and I was impressed. And that's going to be. Uh, that, that's that's going to be a tight game on Alaska versus the Storm. Yeah, they played earlier this year. Storm outshot them 38-28 to 28 and won 3-2 to two in overtime. Um, and the names of the scorers are the names of the people that kind of stuck, stood out. Uh, Jaden Hams for on Alaska. She played a great game. She didn't get on the board against um, Fox Cities, but she played a great game. Uh, she was noticeable with the puck many times. She had a goal uh, in that one. Um, McKenna LaFleur, who assisted on a couple of the goals, had a goal in that one. Uh, Sammy Federici had a goal. Tristan Wickland. Um, so, like, the names that we've talked about all season for those for those two teams were the ones that scored in that regular season game. Um, I think Onalaska is a little bit more dynamic uh, offensively. Uh, than, than the storm is, but that's not really saying much. Uh, the storm, I mean, they'll get 
they'll get dirty goals when they can get them, but still the the bulk of their scoring is Sammy Federici. Um, but they showed, they showed yesterday that uh, Federici didn't have a goal and they won that game four to one. Um, so that, you know, there are other players, hopefully, you know, for them that builds some confidence and they can go into this championship game knowing that they can score without her um, because they're going to need to against Alaska. That's a, a strong team. And as Dell said, I think they're up to 18 wins in a row right now. Yeah, was it did then last since like the middle of December. And they've played good teams in that stretch. It's not like they've been, you know, playing cupcakes the whole time. And who is number 27 that Nikki liked? Uh, this is Mansky. Yeah, she, she, had, she had the two goals and the major penalty for uh, uh, boarding, I believe it was. Um, yes. Uh, yeah, she put uh, Grace Rentmeester uh, into the boards in the second period, uh, rather third period. aggressive, third period, rather aggressively. And, you know, the one thing we, the one thing we, t- well, two things we talked about, warned about in our previous podcast is, you know, watch out for the goofy bounces off the boards, which came into play in the game and, you know, don't take the major penalties. And, uh, you know, on Alaska did take the major penalty, but was able to uh, kill it and get through it without a negative effect. Now, generally speaking, as Wisconsin prep hockey, we're neutral as far as most teams are concerned. Um, but MJ picked on Alaska to win, and the teams that Del Burglar and I picked are all out. And none of us want to be wronger than MJ. So <laughs> I think, you know, passively, we're all kind of cheering for the storm because. If MJ's right and the rest of us are wrong, that just sets a bad precedent. No, because we'll, we'll never hear the end of it, ever. Remember when I picked on Alaska? Just like I still bring her up, remember the time I was the only one to pick Bayport to beat Notre Dame and come to state, and that's exactly what happened? Yeah, you know, we talk about that funny bounces. The Storm did score a goal off of one of those bounces, came straight back up. And a diving play by the Storm player was able just to tip it over and into the net. So, you know, two games that were played yesterday, both had funny bounces that led to goals. And I think that brings us to the games that happened today. Yes. In the first one. uh... Yeah, Hudson, why? Hudson showed why. They have been ranked number one often unanimously all season as they just totally uh, controlled uh, university school, um, held them. You can quibble. You can quibble about the exact number uh, if you want, but the official shot on goal total for university school was one for the game. One shot on goal. There were a couple other times the puck got to the goaltender, but it was later ruled that those were actually uh, during delayed offsides. So even had the puck gone in the net, it wouldn't have counted as a goal. So it didn't count as a save. Um, So one shot on goal for university school today as they lost six to nothing to a very, very dominant Hudson Raider team. Like we, we've seen runtime games at the state tournament before. We've seen plenty of runtime games at the state tournament. 
I've never seen a team credited with one shot on goal. That is, that's just crazy. Um, and I mean, you can quibble, you know, you know, and maybe it was three or something like that, but come on. Um, they, at no point did USM really have a scoring chance. It was, it was just crazy. No, I mean, at best it was one shot per period, you know, so there may have been three for though, but it was never more than one. I mean, we looked down and watched uh, the, the, the goaltender, Aiden Tempering, Aiden Tempering for, um, for, for Hudson, just trying to, to stay warm. Um, just, you know, st- standing in the net, doing like his, you know, pregame goaltender, uh, play your angles drills and do your pregame, uh, you know, imagine shots. I mean, he was just, you know, standing down on his end, trying to keep himself active while the puck was on the other end of the ice. Yeah, I mean, and this game was like a master class in how Hudson plays. Um, like I, I mentioned it when it got into the third period, not once when entering the offensive zone, did I see a Hudson player try to toe, de- toe drag and dangle the defenseman and get around him and go in on his own. Not once. Um, they stick to the game plan. They go where there's space. They take what they're given and they, they make, I mean, they didn't force the puck into an area where, you know, it was like a 50-50 shot on whether it was going to be a, a, a good pass or a turnover, like you see teams do often to try and generate offense. Just none of that. They just made the, the simple play. They took what they were given. They went where there was space. And it was, and they're just relentless, rolling four lines. They can all go all, all out the whole game. Um, it was, it was, as far as their effort goes, like one of the best high school hockey teams I've ever seen. Yeah, I was watching them, you know, exit. I mean, when the puck did get down into their zone, I mean, it was, you, you would see the defense and get the puck and you look and there's, you know, a lot of teams like to make that cross size pass, but, you know, there was a guy, you know, somewhere in the vicinity, he may intercept it. Nope, I'll just take the, the, the safe pass up the boards because I got a wing right there and he'll take the puck and he'll make the safe. It was like, you know, giving you safe play, safe play. They're just so disciplined. Make the easy choice, make the safe play, get the puck out of the zone, make the easy choice through the neutral zone, get the puck down into their zone, make the easy choice at the blue line, get the puck into their zone. And once they're in their zone, well, then you just attack relentlessly and attack and attack and attack until the puck goes in the net. Um, But when they start coming out, no, you don't pinch. You back up, you play it safe, get the turnover and go right back. Just... Uh, disciplined, nothing flashy, just the, the safe, short, quick plays that just, you know, the little things that lead to big things. Um, that's the way they played. And it just, it just worked like clockwork for them today. Yeah. I don't think their plan is ever to be flashy out there and get those flashy goals. They just want to wear you down. Like after, after one period, this was a zero, zero game with Hudson leading and shot 16 to one and they didn't come out any different in the second period. No sense of urgency. Like, how are we going to beat this goalie? They just stuck to the same game plan and like, we're going to wear them down. If we keep doing this, eventually the puck will go in the net. They got three in the second, three in the third. And um, like his, 
stats aren't going to be great. 878 save percentage, but I thought Michael Polston for, for USM played a great game in that. Um, he was very busy. It was in his end the whole time. Uh, he never got to catch his breath, but uh, it was, that was just, I've never seen a, a state high school hockey game like that. No, and we, we saw Hudson play, Bill and I saw Hudson play earlier this year. We saw them play Wausau West. And in that game, um, most of the Hudson offense seemed to feed, um, once they got in the zone, they seemed to feed back to the defenseman. And Bill asked, you know, uh, Davis Trubisky about that. Was that your normal thing? He said, well, no, but that's what they gave us. And that's the way Hudson plays. I mean, in that game, Wausau West was keeping all their forwards down low. So the opening was, you know, to pass it back to your defenseman, to spread things back out. Hudson takes what you give them. If you give them an opening here, they're going to take it. You know, if you try to cut this up, they'll find another way. They take what you give them, and they are disciplined enough to know that, you know, you have two choices. You know, you can stop this or you can stop that. You're going to stop this? Okay, then we'll do that. Um, and that's how they approach this game. And yeah, it was, it was a, a master class and, um, you know, dismantling a team. Moving on to the next one. Uh, the number three seed Madison Edgewood Crusaders and the number two seed Notre Dame Academy Tritons. Um, this was the first, uh, this was the fourth time I've seen Notre Dame this year. Uh, but it was the first time I got to see um, Madison Edgewood, uh, Cody Menzel, and J.J. Wiebush were both Player of the Year finalists and Pavelski Award finalists, and uh, they certainly did not disappoint um, as uh, they each scored. Uh, Wiebush scored twice, uh, Menzel scored once, and that was their scoring in their 3-1 to one win over Notre Dame. Yeah, no, Notre Dame had beaten... Edgewood earlier in the season, but Weebush did not score. And he didn't well, play. He didn't play. He didn't play in that game. So, yeah, you can see what a difference he makes. And um, Mansell, there was a, there was a, an article that uh, we, 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 we featured on us. It was actually an article that was uh, in one of the Madison papers about how uh, Menzel's speed um, leads to his scoring. And, yes, we, we saw his speed on display as at least three times in the game, uh, he just kind of turned on the Jets and got behind uh, the Notre Dame defenseman. One of them led to a goal. Uh, the other couple of times led to very good scoring chances. But yeah, he had he has speed in abundance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a breakaway goal in the first period, and he had two uh, breakaways stopped in the third period. Uh, the forgotten man on their first line of J.J. Weebush and Cody Menzel is Aiden Lenz. Um, Going into the game, I just kind of assumed that thing you assume when a team has two great players on a line that the other guy's just kind of along for the ride. I really didn't get that impression from him. He is a really skilled hockey player on that other, that other slot on that first line. And he is an excellent passer. And when he is in the offensive zone, you can see him. He, he knows where those two are. And that's where he's going with the puck. Uh, very few times did he actually shoot. Uh, when he had a decent opportunity, he took it. And he had a... Uh, a, a breakaway chance in the third period of his own, but he's, he's an excellent passer. Uh, the breakaway that Menzel scored on in the first period, um, Lenz had the puck uh, along the boards on the Edgewood blue line and he fired 
as hard a pass as you're going to see in high school hockey uh, up through the center of the ice to, to Menzel streaking to get past the, the, the Notre Dame defenseman. And I'm pretty sure a Notre Dame defenseman actually got a stick on it and it barely slowed down, uh, hit Menzel. And he was, he was off, off to the races to, to score Edgewood's third goal of the first period. Um, uh, it wasn't all Edgewood though. The third period, um, Notre Dame really turned on the Jets. Uh, they outshot Edgewood 13 to five in that period. They had several good scoring chances, uh, but they weren't able to crack um, Rowan White, um, good goaltender for Edgewood. Um, Notre Dame's only goal came on a breakaway from Hunter Bill. Uh, Michael McEntee, who, who co Coach McCracken always talks about um, as one of his best players and has been for a couple of years now, um, fired a pass through the neutral zone up to Brendan Gruber. And all Gruber really did with it was uh, just kind of poke it forward to Bill as he streaked past uh, the Edgewood defense. And he came in and uh, put a hard power move on the goalie uh, in the process of making the save. Um, White uh, kicked the net off, um, but they, they ruled it was a goal anyway. Uh, he kicked it off in the process of making the save as Bill was beating him. So uh, the breakaway goal was Notre Dame's only goal of the game. Yeah, and it, and it was it was it was fun. Um, we had with us a, as a guest in the booth uh, Kirk Dobbinsfeck. Um, I think he Madison Edgewood. Is that where he played? I don't think so. I don't oh. remember where he played high school. Okay. He was a Badger though. Yeah, but he he was he he was there watching the game with us. And you know he was he he was quite taken by the Edgewood goaltender, uh, Rowan Rowan White. Rowan White, yeah, because he he was thinking that you know Rowan White could be the the key um, in the game against Hudson. Um, and you look at you look at it, and Hudson, strong team, up and down, um, good goaltending, very good defense. They may not be as dynamic a scoring team. And, you know, so you're, 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 you're throwing against them, you know, a very good goaltender uh, for Edgewood Rowan White. And then uh, on, on their defense, you're, you're throwing against their defense, their defense. You've got uh, Menzel and Weebush. Um, so I think this, I hadn't seen Edgewood before, but I'm, you know, as much as I've liked Hudson all season, I think, Edgewood just might have the right combination of, you know, a goaltender, you know, who uh, facing, uh, you know, a good solid team, but not, not any real, without any real dynamic, you know, goal scores and, you know, against a team that's good defensively. Now you're throwing two very dynamic goal scores against them. I think it sets up for a heck of a championship game tomorrow. Yeah, they played earlier this year. Um, actually, they played their first game of the season for both teams um, was Hudson against Edgewood. And Hudson won that game 7-2, to two, but that was the first game of the season, and you can't draw a lot of conclusions from that. Um, I believe, you know, at the, at the start of the season, um, Coach Drewiski actually had Max Gibson, Max Giblin playing forward um, to try and he had concerns about Hudson's offense um, over the course of the season. Those concerns have been allayed and, and Max is back at his proper spot on the blue line where he belongs. Um, but, you know, Hudson had four goals in that game. 
in the first period um, and then just kind of rolled from there. But, you know, I don't see, I don't see that kind of score. I don't see a seven to two game coming out of this. I can't imagine that Edgewood is going to score more than two. Um, but I, again, I, I can't imagine they're going to give up seven either. No. no. In, in that game against uh, Hudson, uh, Cody Menzel uh, picked up a major penalty uh, late in the second period uh, for a five-minute major at four, with, at the 14.33 mark. And I, I, I was just looking to see if uh, Hudson capitalized on that, and it does not appear that they did. Uh, Edgewood actually scored a shorthanded handed during that time, but otherwise, you know, they were able to kill off of that major penalty. But you definitely don't want to do that against Hudson. And, and like tomorrow. we talked about with the storm, in the Wisconsin portion of their schedule – which was depending on when you ran the computer rankings, either the first or hardest or first or second hardest schedule in the state this year, Hudson and Notre Dame were just kind of trading off week to week. Um, like we talked about the storm only twice this year, did Hudson give up three goals in a game? They had a five to three win against Chippewa falls in their third game of the season. And then that three to two overtime loss to Eau Claire North at the beginning of January. Those are the only two times this year that Hudson has given up, three goals in a game to a Wisconsin team so far in the playoffs, they have given up two goals in four games. Uh, so I can't imagine Edgewood scoring more than two, even with Weebush and Menzel out there. It's not to say it's unheard of. I just, I can't, I can't see that happening, but I can't see, I don't see Hudson scoring seven on the team I watched play today, play today. Um, they were, they were really good against um, Notre Dame who I've seen many times is and is a very good team. Yeah, I think, I mean, Hudson, Hudson has no weaknesses. Their goaltending is strong. Their defense is strong. Their offense may not be as dynamic as some of the other teams, but they score goals, you know, enough to win games. Um, Madison Edgewood, dynamic up front, strong goaltending, um, Otherwise, may not be as strong as Hudson defensively, other than the goaltending. But yeah, it sets up for a, a, a very. I, I'm much. I'm looking forward to the championship game more than I was um, on Monday when we did our last podcast coming in. I thought the only interesting game out of the Division One was going to be the the Notre Dame Edgewood game. But looking at Edgewood, I mean, I hadn't seen them play before. Looking at Edgewood, I mean. They can give Hudson a game. Um, I don't think they can beat them, but they can give Hudson a game. I, think, um, I'm st- I still have to stick with Hudson as my, you know, repeat tournament champion. I think, you know, just talking to coaches over the years, Hudson's offense this year is the, is the offense most coaches say that they want. Like when you ask coaches what problems they're having on offense, the answer is invariably – Guys trying to do too much, guys trying to do it themselves, guys trying to force the puck into situations where it doesn't need to be. Hudson doesn't do any of that. Um, they, 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 they follow the system. They, they, they go where there's space, they make the, the safe, easy play, and eventually they wear you down. 
Um, they're the offense that, other than I think John Welsh, John loves flashy goals. Um, uh, other than John Welsh, I think the Hudson has the offense that most coaches say they want. I mean, you'd like every every coach would love to have guys who can skate circles around the other team and do it all themselves, but they want those guys to also play within the system. And who knows, maybe Carter Mears and Matthew Mauer actually can do that, but they've bought in to what Coach Drewiski is selling and they don't. And they, they stay within what the plan is. Well, what, what, we, ha- what we haven't seen, in, and maybe, you know, if we had been at some of those other games where, you know, Hudson was behind, what, what, we, what we have seen too many times on talented teams is when they get behind, um, players forget that, you know, buying into the system, doing the simple things. And so many times you see a player, well, you know what? We're behind. These other guys aren't doing it. I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to be the hero. And, you know, they, they, they try to skate through everybody and go in and score. And it, 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 it never works. Um, you know, the, the couple of times we, you know, the couple of times we've seen Hudson play, I mean, they haven't been behind, but I'm guessing just from what we've seen from them, they don't have that problem of, you know, well, if we're behind, you know, it's every man for himself. I, I think that, I mean, from watching these guys, I mean, they, they have a, they have a structure to their play. You know, you take what's a, you, you take the, you take the path of least resistance uh, moving up the ice. You take the path of least resistance, get it into their zone and then work it until, you know, you get a good scoring chance. I, I don't see that changing. Um, just, just a, a disciplined team. A, a just, it's just fun watching them. Just like, just, it's like everything you try to teach kids as, as, as they're coming up, but when they're peewees or whatever, you know, Take what's there, you know, like I said, path of least resistance. What's the safe play? Pass it. Yeah, well, then he's open, pass it to him. Move it up the ice. Just keep it going up the ice. Don't try to do anything fancy. Just get it into their zone and then attack. Um, just, yeah, just just fun to watch all that uh, precision passing and moving the puck. Um, it'll, be, it'll be nice to see. Menzel and Weebush in that speed against Hudson's like fundamentally perfect defense, essentially. Um, that's going to be, you know, what the unstoppable force versus the immovable object. The one thing that, you know, here you guys talk about how they've bought into the system, it basically boils down to what we've heard for years. It's the name on the front of the jersey that matters, not the one on the back. And stuff, and and that's what exactly the way these kids play out there. It, it's and it, obviously it helps with uh, their their head coach and knowing what he's experienced throughout his life. You know, it, in the hockey hockey at the uh, high school level, at the college level, and at the pro level. And I think you brought it up, Burglar, up there at their rink. They got that mural, him holding up that Stanley Cup. The great big huge sign at the end of the you can't miss it. <laughs> and like and I know we're talking about the championship game. I want to go right back to, to Notre Dame for a minute. Uh Leighton Jaschke, the goalie for the for the Tritons, um, it's not going to reflect in his save percentage because 
Edgewood really didn't take that many shots. He only had an 833 for the game, 15 of 18. He stopped three breakaways in the third period. Um, and the, the, and the goals that, that Edgewood scored were like beautiful shots. Um, he played a really good game for Notre Dame and he kept in, he kept them in it three break. I mean, Notre Dame went full out offense in the third period and outshot Edgewood 13 to five, three of those five shots were breakaways and he stopped them all. Um, so I just, I don't want to, you know, I didn't want to forget about that, uh, as we had moved on. I think you kind of brought that up uh, last week was uh, when we were talking a little bit about the Springs game and if a goalie was making 75% saves on his breakaways, he had a heck of a game. And 75% I think on breakaways is elite. And that's where he was today. So. Well, and, and, you know, you, you, you talk about the difference between, I mean, a lot of teams have, you know, Good hockey players, like um, we, we we talked Eau Claire North, and even you know even Superior when they when they pull their upset. I mean, they have good hockey players that can you know skate up and down the ice just fast and aggressive and stuff. But there's something about elite goal scorers, you know, being able to shoot. And, and specifically, I'm talking about like you know Cole Fenske for Rice Lake and JJ Weebush for, um, for 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 Edgewood. And I mean, just when they get the puck. I mean, they just don't throw it at the net. I mean, they pick a specific corner and they hit it. Their shot is hard enough. They hit that spot every time. That That's how you score 95. That's how you get 95 points in a season. Not because you just throw the puck at the net and hit the goal in the chest, because you hit that corner. Um, and that we, 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 we saw, we, uh, we wish and um, 20. Menzel. Menzel. I mean, Menzel's breakaway. I mean, yeah, I mean, he, yeah, hit the top and it came right back up before the goalie even saw it. Um, yeah, he had, he, he, he had the confidence to come down on a breakaway and he didn't try to deke the goalie or make a move. He got to the slot, he squared up and he shot. And it was a beautiful shot. Yeah. I mean, these, these, these elite goal scorers, I mean, they can pick their spots. Um, not everybody can do that. I mean, like I said, we, we've seen a lot of teams that could put a lot of shots on goal, put a lot of pressure on, but you know, these, these elite goal scorers, they have that little something extra where they can just find that little crease and, and hit it every time. That's also why there's no good goalie stats. <laughs> Of the goalie stats available, save percentage is probably the best. It's definitely better than goals against average, but not all shots are created equally. Um, there's really no good goalie stats. You have to use your eyeballs. I mean, save percentage is a good barometer over the length of a season because the good shots and the bad shots kind of balance out, but, you know, it's tough. Anyway, do we do did we do we do our prediction for this one? Well, we predicted them last Monday. Oh, okay. So we're sticking with Hudson. I am. Okay. I think it should be a good game. It'll be a better game than I thought. It, it, would be it will be Monday. a better game than I thought it would be too. But I, I, I mean, I, I, I really, I was really impressed with Edgewood today. Um, but I was more impressed with Hudson. So. 
Yeah, I'm looking at the, his season. Um, I don't think J.J. Wiebush played in their game against Springs at the tournament in Notre Dame either. Uh, he didn't play that game or the game against Notre Dame. He scored a point, not necessarily a goal, but he had a point in every other game this season. Uh, every game that he actually appeared in, he had a point. Um, and that's, he is good. That's continued through the playoffs. Um, I'm, I don't have him up right now, but I'm pretty sure Menzel is the same way. 88 and 85 points on the regular season. I mean, they're going to be close. And, I mean, H- H- Hudson Hudson will be the home team. So, they are the last line change. Um, Weebush and Mazel play on a line. They were, you know, two of our finalists for the Pavelski Award. Um, Max Giblin, uh, the actual winner of our Drewiski Award, you know, handed out by, you know, Drewiski. Um but, you know, we have, you know, two, two of the top five forwards and the best defensemen. So I'm guessing, you know, it, um, you know, Giblin will be on the ice whenever Menzel and uh, Weebush are. Um, so it, it'll be a good matchup. It'll, it'll be fun to watch. And, and speaking of our awards, um, Parker Mern. A defenseman for Edgewood was also one of our five finalists for uh, the Drewiski Award. Um, so they they're got they're they're good on both ends at Edgewood. Yeah, even though their 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 goaltender did not make our uh, finalist list, but uh, he's no slouch either. No, well, the problem with the the goalie awards this year is that there can only be five finalists because I thought that there were probably seven or eight guys who could have been. I mean, my, my first three choices were super obvious to me when I made my votes, but uh, after that, four through seven or eight, that was much harder. Yeah. Yeah, because like, like I said, you, you can't just go on, 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 on Rodden. I mean, because we just go on Rodden, like, well, like our winner, Tyler Frommel. I mean, his save percentage for his goals against average wasn't very good because, quite frankly, uh, the team in front of him was was not very good. But well, if it's only you, 2.48. That's not bad. No. And it, but, yeah, I mean, you look at his save percentage and then compare that. Well, then compare the number of shots he saw with anybody else that had that kind of save percentage. Um, and it's like, oh, he was busy. <laughs> He was very busy every game. I mean, how many 50 goal, how many 50 shot games did he have? Most of them. Most. Yeah. He was busy more than he didn't. So, yeah, that was, yeah, that was the other thing we did today. We handed out our awards. Uh, Yes. Hats off to all of them. Thank you to everybody who was there. Uh, We will get the article up on Saturday sometime, assuming burglar gets the pictures ready. Uh, you can watch the video of the ceremony on YouTube. It's only 20 minutes, so it's not like that big an imposition on your day. Can we just name them? We can name them. I have an article ready to go, just waiting for pictures so I can pull that up. Okay. Uh, going in order, we'll start with the forwards. Our Janelle Sergey Award winner was Michaela Zilish of the Fox City Stars. Surprise! I believe she also won last year. Yeah. Uh, our Joe Pavelski Award winner was Tyler Dale of the Waukesha Wings. 
Our Molly Engstrom Award winner was Kendall Sundby of the St. Croix Valley Fusion. Our Davis Drewiski Award winner was Max Giblin of Hudson. Surprise! He won last year too. In in the for, in the ten years um, that we've been doing this for the board boys, Max Giblin is now the only repeat winner. Not not just of the Drewiski Award, but of any of the boys awards. Yes. Uh, our Jesse Better Award winner was Chloe Lemke of the Central Wisconsin Storm. Our Kirk Dobbins Beck Award winner was Tyler Fromm, also of the Wapan Warriors. Um, our Rachel Kenyon Unsung Hero Award was Logan Crawford of the Central Wisconsin Storm. Um, she had I one of my favorite goals of the tournament so far. Uh, she came in uh, from the from the half wall, kind of one on one with the goalie, and she just kind of kept skating forward. And somehow the puck went through the goalie and in. Like, I, I'm not sure if she shot or if she just poked it or if she just pushed it through the goalie. Uh, I don't know what happened, but the puck went through and in. Um, she's kind of like just skated through her. Uh, and our Adam Burrish Award winner was Reese Richardson of Hudson. Uh, so those are our eight um, Wisconsin Prep Hockey End of Season Award winners. And we did announce at the broadcasts or the ceremonies today that Next year, we'll be splitting the boys' awards into two divisions. Uh, so there'll be Division One awards, which will remain the Pavelski, Drewiski, and Dobbinspec. Because they, they all played for uh, large schools. Yes. Uh, Hudson, Stevens Point, and... Uh, He's from Madison, so... A Madison, a, a large Madison school. And um, Division II, uh, to be named later. Uh, we'll have Division II uh, awards to hand out. So, so yeah, what, what we are looking for is um, players from smaller schools, uh, schools that are Division II now, that, uh, you know, the, the guys we had, you know, were, were played for the Badgers and then went on to play professionally. Um, I don't know that we're going to have uh, necessarily uh Guys that, that were from small schools that necessarily played for the Badgers and then went on to play professionally. So, you know, if, if there is some, if, if you're in one of those uh, smaller communities that is Division II, and there is somebody from your, uh, played for your high school um, and went on to play, not necessarily for the Badgers, but played, you know, college hockey um, and then, you know, professionally. Uh, send us your recommendations for names. Um, we have we have we have a couple of you know favorites in mind. Um, you know, since you know Bill and I spent a lot of time in in Anigal, you know, we're we're kind of leaning towards you know Joe Pascula uh, for a Division Two uh, defenseman, just because who doesn't like Joe Pascula? If you don't like Joe Pascula, it's because you have never met Joe Pascula. Um, he's a wonderful guy. Uh, through and through, his family is wonderful. Uh, his sister Trish is wonderful. His brother Charlie was, you know, kind of a handful when he was young, but he turned out okay too. So, the whole Pascula family. So, you know, if you want to name, you know, if you're thinking about a defenseman, um, you got to beat Joe Pascula. Um, so you know, after that, go, go ahead. If you we're, we're, what we're really looking for, you know. Is, is a goalie because um, for some reason, Wisconsin goalies get overlooked. Um, Very little so, respect. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Anyway, continue. Well, that's all I have. Love you, Joe. 
See, burglars had a couple drinks before we recorded tonight, so he's very happy. Well, who cannot be happy when you're talking about Joe Piscula? He's always smiling. He's always happy. He's, you know, it's just a, a joy to be around. His dad can be a handful, you know, especially if you criticize him on the air, on the radio, and he'll, you know, tell the plow drivers to plow every, all the snow in your driveway the next morning. But, you know, that only happened a couple of times. Well, tomorrow will be the third time that we're having three championship games. Uh, I think all three of us agree that we should have three good games tomorrow. But yes. if you look back, as we look back over the history, do you think these could be three of the closer games or even two of the closer games that we have on championship Saturday? I don't remember what the Springs and Superior score was last year in the championship game. I think it was four to one. Um, I think I think we're gonna have three good games. I don't think any of them will be decided by more than two goals. Um, I don't. I definitely don't think we're gonna see a runtime like we've seen in the championship games a couple times uh, back in the eight division days. Um, I think yeah. I think we're gonna have three really good hockey games. Um, I would not be surprised to see an overtime or two. I'd prefer not to. Because, you know, I've watched six hockey games yet. already the last two days. You know, overtime just means I get home later. Well, if we don't have uh, overtime that went as long as the fusion and storm that one year. We're good. Well, thankfully that, you know, we shouldn't have those kind of overtimes anymore. You get one five on five, then it's four on four and three on three. So once you get into three on three, it's really – you really should score. Yeah, I, I'm look. I'm looking forward to three good games. I mean, um, like I say, I hadn't seen on Alaska coming in, but I like the way um, on Alaska matches up against the Storm. I think that's going to be a very good game. I mean, I've been waiting all year for Rice Lake and Springs. I think that's going to be an epic uh, showdown. And um, I was impressed enough with Edgewood. Uh, in the last game of the night to think that, you know, they can give uh, Hudson a run for their money. So, yeah, I think we're looking at a, at, at uh, three great games tomorrow. All right. That is all for us tonight, I think. That's all I've got. All righty. Uh, we were, coping, we were kind of hoping MJ would be able to join us, but uh, he's got more pressing duties. Uh, you know, we wish him and, and, and Laurie the best. Um, and until, uh, well, we're, we're, we're going to, we'll be back with one more uh, podcast on, on Monday night. Um, once the state term is done, we'll do our final wrap up of the season on Monday night and uh, post that afterward. But, you know, until then, you know, uh, if, if you can't make it to Madison and I mean, if you can, you, you really should. Uh, I mean, these games are, are great to watch live. It's, I mean, you're going to see three great hockey games tomorrow. So, I mean, if you can get here, do it. Um, if you can't, watch it on TV. Um, it'll be on uh, whatever those uh, W, whatever OW uh, channels are in all the various uh, locations around the state. Um, yeah, but it's, it's going to be good. Uh, uh, 
yeah, they should all be very entertaining games. So uh, until Monday night uh, for, for, for Bill and Dell and MJ and even Brett over there in the corner. Uh, thanks for listening to this week with Wisconsin Prep Hockey, and we'll uh, see you on Monday.